Welcome to another episode of the X-Experts Divorce Etc. podcast, where we give you all kinds of information and tips on everything divorce. Why? We've lived it, so we get it. We're Jessica and TH. And keep in mind, you can get X-Experts in your inbox by signing up for our newsletter, get the latest news and find out all about our events before anyone else, plus access special discounts and prices. Head to xexperts.com to subscribe. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's podcast with X-Experts. We are happy to have Jennifer Armstrong from Jennifer D. Armstrong Law, based in New Jersey. She she specializes, sorry, um, in divorce and family law. So welcome to the podcast today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. We're so glad to have you. So today's topic is going to be about spousal support. But before we jump into that, Jen, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Jennifer Armstrong of Jennifer D. Armstrong LLC, Divorce and Family Law. I am a solo based out of Tom's River. I've been doing divorce and divorce mediation. I've been doing um, divorce matters probably for 18 years, so almost um, 20 years because prior to becoming an attorney, I was a paralegal doing divorce and family law matters. So I really do have um, almost 20 to 20 plus years of experience doing this. I really enjoy it. I do um, like it. It's not for everybody. And then most recently, a couple of years ago, I became a qualified mediator here in the state of New Jersey, which just is a fancy way of saying that I took a bunch of mediation courses for 40 plus hours. And now I can do divorce mediations also for couples, which I actually enjoy a little bit more than the divorce because those people are usually on the same page. They're a little bit more amicable and they want to resolve their matters um, without um, litigation. So that's always um, fun to do. Can I just ask a quick question with regards to the mediation, even though I know that's not our topic today, um, because I know it varies from state to state. In New Jersey, if someone comes to you and hires you as a mediator, do they also need to have a lawyer who then, a a separate lawyer who then kind of like reviews everything before it's filed or no? If they're going to utilize an attorney, they would have to get a separate attorney. A mediator here in New Jersey can't be both mediator and attorney for um, a party because first off, we cannot represent two parties in a divorce. So that's unethical. So um, no attorney can represent both spouses in any kind of divorce. And while it's not always necessary to get an attorney, most parties, one of the spouses will get an attorney to actually file the paperwork, to file the complaint for the divorce, let the court know that this is an uncontested divorce, um, let the court know that, look, we've already got a signed agreement, we already worked everything out in mediation, and so we just need someone to, you know, button up those loose ends and put, you know, dot those I's and cross those T's. You don't necessarily have to get an attorney to, like, rehash the entire um, agreement that the two of you came to in mediation. Obviously, both spouses are totally entitled to take that. Um, it's called a memorandum of understanding, which is the document that the mediator is going to draft. Both spouses are given that memorandum and they are free to go and have that looked over by attorneys and get a second opinion. Again, the mediations that I've done, both spouses don't even choose to get an attorney, usually only one, and it's usually the wife goes and gets an attorney just to put through the paperwork. Got mm-hmm. it. Got it. Okay, good. All right. So let's get to the money, honey. Yeah. Spousal <laughs> support. Can you just define it for our listeners today? What is it exactly? Oh, goodness gracious. So <laughs> the so spousal support, which is the most, probably the most highly contested and contentious issue in any divorce, um, talks about 
sum of money funds that one spouse is typically going to pay to another spouse if it's warranted. There, there's no laundry list that I could give you as to what expenses that covers, okay? It covers a lot of things. The alimony statute actually is like eight pages long and everything. It was um, recently amended back in 2014. Um, it's really lengthy. I you know, encourage people to um, go online and take a look at it and everything. There's different types of spousal support. There's different um, levels of spousal support. So it's really involved. And, and that's one of the things that makes it so um, highly contested and contentious in divorce actions is that a lot of people don't really understand what it is and they don't really understand um, what they're supposed to be asking for or getting. Why, but, why did they change the name from alimony to spousal support? I feel like sometimes people are still referring to it as alimony and don't know what it, it is still alimony. It, it is still alimony. And actually, because I printed out a copy of the statute, so I have it in front of me. The statute is still called <laughs> alimony and maintenance. So spousal support is just another term, and, term that someone is using for that. But it's all the same thing. Whether it's alimony, spousal support, it doesn't matter. Um, it is different from child support. So you know, typically in a divorce, where you're, if you have children, there's going to be two types of support that you're going to be addressing. And that's typically going to be alimony, otherwise known as spousal support, and then child support. And alimony is really referencing, you know, support that's going to be between the spouses that is for the spouse and for, you know, um, the upkeep and maintenance of that individual spouse, whereas child support is support that's going to be, um, you know, for the benefit of the children of the relationship. So when you talk about supporting the other spouse, do you have to indicate what that money is used for? Or is, is that kind of part of the negotiating? Or it's just, this is just money for you to have and spend as you like? Or do they check and say, okay, this is for the house. This is for the car. This is for, yeah, I'm you know, sure a lot of spouses expenses. who are paying spousal support would want very that kind of detail. <laughs> we get with that. We get wait, wait, yeah. with or without that kind of detail. No, no, you're not. I mean, okay. look, every, everyone is free here in the state. The great thing about getting divorced here in the state of New Jersey is that you're allowed to agree to pretty much whatever you want. You know, assuming that it's not illegal, you can agree to whatever. And a judge is not going to um, pass judgment on that. If it's if all the court cares about is that you came to an agreement together, that it was knowledgeable and, and freely entered into. The judges just care that no one's pressuring anyone into the agreement. You know, they don't care how crazy the agreement is or how, you know, one-sided or anything the agreement necessarily is if both parties are entering into it freely and voluntarily. So while you can certainly agree to that level of detail in your agreement, most people are not going to, and most attorneys are not going to let their clients agree to something like that. You know, I'll get the question all the time, especially when it comes to child support. Well, doesn't he or she have to show me receipts what they're spending my child support money on? No, they don't, <laughs> you know? Well, that's really good to know. That's yeah. really good to know. Because I think a lot of people have like, like a police, yeah. Right, and I yeah, remember I, my divorce, like, my first husband was, he, he did, he wasn't asking for receipts once we like settled on the numbers, but I mean, to get to the numbers, like there was a lot of like, well, that's you're right. That's a different story. So, um, with respect to spousal support, you know, that can sometimes take the form of other things other than just a monetary payment each month too. You know, sometimes you're trying to keep a spouse and children in a house. And so instead of paying spousal support to that spouse, the, uh, the breadwinner, the person who's paying the uh, alimony or spousal support may instead be making a mortgage payment to, to the mortgage company 
or um, maybe paying other things in lieu of alimony. So again, alimony doesn't have to be a check or a payment made to the other spouse. It can also be other forms of um, payment or other like payments that are being made that we are still going to dub alimony or support and everything. So again, each case is very unique in that set of circumstances. And when you're dealing with alimony, you have to not only negotiate the amount of alimony, but you also have to negotiate the duration of alimony. How long are you going to get alimony for? Yeah. That's a big, a big deal. And that, that was a big change when the alimony statute was amended in 2014 it directly impacted marriages and split things down the middle as far as, okay, if you're married for 20 years or less, you're going to have more likely than not something called um, limited duration alimony, meaning you're gonna get alimony for a set time frame, whether that's months, weeks, years, whatever, it's going to be of a limited duration in time that we're going to negotiate. If you're married for more than 20 years, then you're going to likely have an alimony that's called open durational alimony, which used to be called permanent alimony. So they took away the word permanent, which as a layperson, you think permanent means the rest of my life until right. I die. Only that's right. not true. You were never going to get alimony until you die. Okay. Most people, when that spouse, the paying spouse retires, if they're not making the same amount of money as in retirement, as they were during their working life, they were going to take you back to court and they were going to modify or terminate their alimony. So alimony was never really permanent. So the legislature thought we should get rid of that word permanent. We'll call it open durational, meaning you're going to get alimony for an open duration of time. We don't know what that is, but it's likely that at the time the payer goes to retire, you're probably going to revisit this. So again, it's not just the amount of alimony, it's the duration of time that you're also negotiating. Right. So the the big question is, we a little bit know the answer to this, but we have to ask it, right? Because the big question is anyone goes into this situation, I think, I think I, I vaguely remember from growing up, right, that phrase of like to, you know, alimony to keep you in the lifestyle to which you've become accustomed. Become accustomed that that's actually the standard anymore. However, I think what everybody always wants to know is how do I know how much I'm going to get? And it varies, seems to vary from state to state. It varies from state to state, but it's got, it varies from, you know, court to court. So I always tell people, you know, when you're going through a divorce and you're talking to your friends or um, family members or other people that you know, who have been through divorce, you know, limit the conversations you're having with them because people are going to tell you all different kinds of things. You know, you're, you're going to be talking to a coworker who you think makes around the same amount of money as you, who may be in a similar situation. And you're going to wonder why they're getting one thing and you're getting another. The fact of the matter is alimony is very, very fact specific and everything. And you could give the facts of your case to five judges here in New Jersey, and you're going to get five different answers on alimony back. Wow. There is no formula for alimony. You know, child support, we have this nifty computer formula. We push some numbers in and the computer spits out a number and tells us how much child support is. We don't have that for alimony. So alimony is determined by various factors that are within the alimony statute. And so the court has to look at how long were you guys married? What was your marital standard of living? What are what expenses are you going to have after the divorce that you may or may not have had during the divorce? How much do each of the parties make? 
What are the age of the parties? What's the health of the parties? All of those things are major factors. Um, I recently just had a case where the, the parties are very young. They're in their early 30s. They have another 30 years until retirement. So when we're talking about duration of alimony, the duration of alimony is not gonna be nearly as long for two parties who are in their early 30s as it might be for two parties in their late 30s, early 40s um, or, or, or 50s and everything. So every factor is weighed differently and every judge weighs those factors differently. And so unfortunately, there's no uniformity. There's no, you know, formula or calculation that you can just come to. Now, I will say that when we're looking at alimony, obviously, the standard of living plays a huge part in that. But you have to also remember that here in the state of New Jersey, both parties are entitled to that standard of living. So if you have two spouses who earned X and that those incomes were used to maintain that one household, you now are trying to split that money up to maintain two households. So how could you possibly continue to live the same lifestyle? You're not going to. Right. You know, both of you are going to live a reduced lifestyle because that same amount of money, the money that's in that pot, cannot stretch far enough to maintain two identical households. If you're enjoying our Divorce Etc. podcast, be sure and subscribe to our newsletter to get ex-experts in your inbox. It's free and includes tips from real-life experts who've been through it telling you what they wish they knew. You'll also hear about our upcoming episodes and Q&As with our experts. Plus, you'll find out about our upcoming events before anyone else and get access to discounts and preferred pricing. You can sign up at www.exexperts.com. I, I used to always tell clients, you know, yes, you're going to be entitled to alimony and you're going to get alimony and whatever you get, you're never going to think is enough. And yes, you're going to have to pay alimony and whatever you're paying, you all, you're always going to think it's too much <laughs> and everything. And then you have to tell, you know, the spouse that's getting alimony. Yes, you're going to get alimony, but he or she who's paying alimony is not going to live in a box under a bridge someplace. They have to live too. They have to have a place to live and a place to have the children and they have to provide for the children when the children are with them. So we're taking this pot of money and we're trying to split it up between the two of you. And that's not always easy. And that's why there's so much litigation around um, the issue of alimony and how much does everyone get? Right, right. I mean, I remember, so my divorce took four years. I had three judges, all had very different opinions. Um, and the big word that always came up was setting a precedent, setting a precedent. Mm -hmm. the last five years set a precedent for the rest of your lives. So yeah. if he all of a sudden, all of a sudden makes a quarter of the amount of money he's made through your whole marriage, his whole career path, all of a sudden just plummeted. Isn't that amazing right. how that happens? Right. right. So, so it's good to know that they set a precedent because there could be foul play sometimes playing around with how much money he's, he or she are earning at that time, whoever the breadwinner is, you know, right. so, play so around this, too. This is why it's so important. Um, so first off, every one of my clients will tell you that they've been thinking about divorce for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, if this is not a decision that people come to lightly, 
It's not something that they come to spur of the moment. So they have either been thinking about it for several weeks, several months, more often several years. And one of the things you need to do and that people can do to help themselves, if they really seriously, you've tried marriage counseling, it's just not working, you know you're headed down this path and everything is you want to make sure you keep tabs on what your status quo is and that you keep tabs on and you know, how much does my spouse make? How much do I make? Let me keep those records. Let me pay attention because when someone starts planning for divorce, that overtime is going to suddenly dry up. Yeah. Um, they're not going to work so many jobs or get those same commissions, or they're going to do things to start. Once they speak to an attorney, they're going to get it in their head that they're going to start manipulating the situation and manipulating the facts to their benefit. You know, I always tell clients, look, you want to get divorced when everyone is making as much money as possible. When everything is, when money's good and it's coming in, that's when you want to get divorced. Okay. You don't want to get divorced when your spouse is unemployed and, you know, sitting on the couch, not doing anything day in and day out or hasn't been, or is, you know, newly uh, disabled and everything. And now you're suddenly find yourself to be the breadwinner and everything. So with that being said, what causes divorce? Lack of money, lack of communication. So when the money is flowing and the money is good, people are less likely to file for divorce because they're not arguing as much about money because they have it. Right, but right. The, so it's right. kind of this catch 22, but you really have to pay attention and be on the lookout because you could find yourself in a situation where you have had 15 years of one type of status quo throughout your marriage. And then the last year or two, those things have changed so dramatically that now when someone does file for divorce, the court's not going back and looking at all that other time. Right. You know, they, can only, they can't go retroactive. They can't, you know, jump in a time machine and go back. So they're only going, they, they take you as they find you is what we always tell clients and everything. So if we find you in a situation with no money, with your spouse disabled or your spouse not working and, and everything, then that's, that's how the court takes you. You know, if you're no longer going on those fancy vacations, you're no longer spending all of um, the monies that you were living the lifestyle that you had once been living and everything, then no, the judge is not going to go back in time and try to recreate that. And that's why you really have to pay attention and ask yourself, you know, have things changed for a particular reason? Is there something suspect about this yes. and everything? And it's terrible to be thinking like that and to have to, um, you know, protect against that. You but at the end of the day, you, you, ha- you have to. Yeah. So let's talk about how support is paid because there are a few different options. And then if you are in a situation, I have friends who have gone through the probation office Mm -hmm. and garnishing wages and stuff like that. So can you tell us a little bit about, you know, the general ways that, that spousal support is paid or the more popular Yeah. So there's the the two most popular ways is direct payments or through probation. So direct payments, you trust your spouse, your spouse is either going to give you a check every week, or they might have, um, you know, monies that they directly deposit into your account themselves, you know, from their bank account. Um, That's clean and simple. If you trust your spouse, and if your spouse is going to be making those payments, 
you do become a bit of a bookkeeper doing that, you know, because everything's on you to make sure those payments come and that you keep yeah. track of those payments. No one else is overseeing that for you. Right. So if you are dealing with a spouse who's not happy about having to make those payments to you, that's not what I would recommend. <laughs> because if you think for any reason that your spouse may, um, you know, stop making payments to you and you don't want to chase them and you don't want to get into a big old litigation down the road about who made what payments to whom and when did were they received and things like that right. direct payments are probably not for you i will say if you are the payer of alimony don't ever pay your uh, your your ex-spouse cash and everything you know if they're right. ever it has paid, to be traced right yeah. you have to be able to trace it the first thing any judge is going to ask you to do is produce um evidence that you made the payments and so, and no one's going to listen to cash. You right. could have actually given that person cash every single week, you know, and, and done the right thing and stuff. And no one's going to believe you. Okay. It's just the way that it is. So like direct it never payments, yeah, direct yeah. payments. I'm not a fan of and, and everything. Um, you know, it's slightly better if there's going to be something where they're going to make those payments directly from their bank account into your bank account. But again, not particularly a fan. So the second most common way for payments to be made is through the probation department, where the probation department is the one that's going to monitor the payments that you receive. And there's actually an app that you can download onto your phone and you can see when the payments hit. It'll tell you whether there's arrears and whether they're behind in their payments. And if you're signed up for um, certain services, they can help you try to go after um, those monies and everything against your spouse. Now, there's much more that the probation office can do when it comes to child support versus alimony mm -hmm. and everything. So again, if you think you're dealing with somebody who's not going to be making his payments, you definitely want your payments to go through the probation department. Who pays for so, that? Like, who pays the probation department for that? Nobody does. No. Um, nobody does. So there is an annual fee. So if you have child support and alimony and you are having them go through probation, you're going to pay a one-time $6 fee to the probation department to enroll in what's called Title 4D services, where they will do credit monitoring. They will also see if he or she is in arrears and they are not paying their support. They will intercept their tax returns. They can file for bench warrants against right. the other person. They used to be able to suspend the driver's license or passport of the other um, individual. So there's all types of enforcement action that probation can do for you and everything. Um, I believe if it's just alimony that they're monitoring, there might be a $25 um, annual fee that you have to pay. But again, it's very minimal. And Phenomenal it's well, fee. It's well yeah. worth it. Right. There's no headache like if there's if there's you know if you don't even get along and you can't communicate at all or anything it's better to let somebody else handle it but but I do have friends who have had to be on top of it also who were recipients of the money and if they didn't get it then they have to follow up with probation so I still feel like anybody who's receiving money should still be tracking whether they're getting yes. it through probation or direct deposit like sometimes my ex misses payments and then he pays and it's fine and it, it was just you know he forgot but right. you have to stay on top of your money and and what's owed to you and when it's owed to you because if it goes back too far it's going to create a huge yeah huge some people have um inaccurate expectations as to what probation is going to do for you. So while probation will track the payments received and they will directly deposit them into your bank account if you want, or there's a debit card, I think that you can also choose to have your payments placed upon and everything. In enforcements, um, 
there's a lot of, let's just say that there's a lot of people, okay, that go through probation. Right. And so it's a lot of work for them. And so the enforcement's not always what it should be and everything. So you have to be your own advocate. You have to stay on top of that account. You've got to keep an eye on it. When you see that they are over $1,000 in arrears, you've got to call up probation and see if you can get a bench warrant issued. If that bench warrant is issued, you need to be calling up the sheriff's department and telling the sheriff's department where your ex is. You know, they're not out there looking for these guys, okay? Right. One or two times a year, they'll do one of these child support roundups, you know, where they'll go around and try to round up some of the people that have bench warrants, but they're not actively out there searching, you know, unless your ex gets pulled over for a moving violation or something, they're not going to get picked up yeah. and, and everything. So you really do still want to be, be checking that you want to make sure that you are advocating for yourself. Because again, you're just one of thousands of people in the system. And um, it's really easy for them to overlook you. And I know lots of clients that have, you know, they're ten, tens of thousands of dollars in arrears. And those arrears never go away. They're on that account right. forever. This is such amazing information. I feel like this conversation, we could keep continuing it. And so we're probably gonna ask people, if anyone who's listening, if you have questions specifically about um, spousal support, alimony, please feel free to let us know what they are so that the next time we have Jennifer come back, we can continue the conversation and, uh, and get your specific questions answered. Um, Jennifer, for anyone listening who's interested in reaching out to you directly, what are the best ways for them to contact you? So the best way to contact me is to obviously go on our website, which is jdarmstronglaw.com. You can also check us out on Facebook um, at New Jersey Divorce Attorney. And we also have, I've been um, overseeing, administrating a Facebook group. It's a private Facebook group called New Jersey Divorce Tips and Resources. And I will say, look, it's a, it's a private Facebook group, but um, we're not like cross-checking who joins the group. So one of the things that you should do if you become a member of the group is you want to make sure that your ex is not also in the group before you post any type of information. That's a good um, it point. Is a, it, it's a Facebook group for generalized information about divorce and resources for family law um, litigants. You know, I, I'm not there to give... Um, specific legal advice. Obviously, if you want specific legal advice, more than happy to have a consultation with somebody and um, go through their specific set of facts. But um, you can find a lot of um, generalized information on our Facebook group. So I do encourage people to um, check that out. Love it. That's how I found Jennifer, by the way. Oh, I really and, love the way she was responding to people and engaging with people. So I, I tracked her down. And so yeah, we'll I hopefully see that, that on our site. I, I'm on it every day. So, I mean, I, I, I do engage with a lot of litigants and, and everything on there. I appreciate them participating. It's scary. Most of the people on there do have attorneys, you, you know, but they, sometimes you want a second opinion and sometimes you want to, you know, find out what's going on with other people and feel like you're not so alone going through this process. And that's exactly what X-Experts is all about. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have links to, to all of your um, contact points as well on our website. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for joining thank us you. and for taking the time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, Thanks, no Jen. For everyone out there listening, if you know anyone at all who would benefit from what we've talked about today, please share this episode and everything X-Experts. Be sure and click to subscribe, rate, and review our Divorce Etc. podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please follow us on social media, at X-Experts, on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. You can also find so much more, including articles and even the podcast transcripts on our website, at www.exexperts.com. And don't forget to sign up for our newsletter now, 
When you get X-Experts in your inbox, you're the first to hear about all of our happenings and events, plus access special discounts and prices. Thanks for listening.